You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to share with you another podcast that I think you're going to find really interesting. It's called Didn't I Just Feed You? It's a weekly candid conversation about feeding our families, even for parents who hate to cook. Hosts Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn are two food professionals who get real about feeding kids, tweens, and teens because they're also busy working moms, so they get it. They talk about how to turn things like nachos into a legit family dinner, to the magic of meatballs, to solving the after-school snack problem, even reducing kitchen waste and debt all at once. They chat with guests from Food Network stars to everyday moms who, let's be honest, are the real experts. In fact, Didn't I Just Feed You is a staple on the iTunes Top 100 Food Podcasts and the only food podcast made with parents in mind. Stacey and Megan are on a mission to make cooking easier, more delicious, and maybe even a little bit more fun. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Now, you can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram and Facebook as at Didn't I Just Feed You. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hey everybody, it's Robin here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. We're talking today about a really serious issue that I know you are facing, a lot of you are facing. I have faced it in my family with my kids and I see it all around me. We're talking about anxious kids and social anxiety. And I'm so happy to have a really special guest with me today. It's Kyle Mitchell. And Kyle Mitchell is a mental health advocate. He is a speaker, a podcast host. His podcast is The Social Ninjas. He's also a TEDx speaker, pardon me, and a social media influencer who is passionate about solving problems associated with poor mental health in the world and the impact they have on our communities especially teens and youth. And having struggled and conquered his own social anxiety after a 10-year battle, he found his calling and purpose to impact lives of others on a global scale. I love it. Kyle's mission is to help 1 million teens go from socially anxious to socially confident, collaborating with teens, educators, parents, nonprofits, and other organizations to change the narrative and stigma that currently exists. Kyle, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So great. All right. So let's just get right down to it. Uh, Why are so many kids anxious? I don't get it. 
Well, um, definitely COVID has a big factor in that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, since the beginning of the pandemic, I think the stat is 46% of teens have either a new or a worsening mental health condition. Like I said, that's since COVID happened, since, you know, everybody was locked in the houses, got isolated. We kind of forgot how to communicate, you know, with our friends, with teachers. We kind of lost that whole experience for, I don't know, some people a year, two years. And now just coming back in, it was a scary thing for a lot of teens, a lot of adults too. I've had a lot of adults come to me about being really anxious about going back into the office. That's been a big thing. I mean, almost, it seems like almost every coaching client that I get that's an adult, they say that same thing to me. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is a big deal. I mean, it's definitely more than just teens. It's, it's everybody, but yeah, the teens are especially struggling right now. Yeah. So you're saying that 46% of teens identify as either having a new or worsening anxiety condition. Yes. Yes. Wow. And what was it before? Um, before COVID, I mean, that is. Yeah, before COVID. Um, it, it was still bad before. I mean, obviously not as yeah. bad as it is now. Uh, about yeah. a month ago, they came out and said they officially declared uh, this to be like a, what they call it, a uh, youth mental health crisis. I, and they also said, agree. they also said in the same paragraph, like, it's really been a youth mental health crisis for like the past 10 years. It's like, what, how, okay, whatever. But yeah, I guess it just got so bad that now they're actually going to declare. So it's been a problem for a long time. I think it's just been kind of hidden for a long time because just the stigma of mental health and nobody or not ever, nobody wants to talk about it, but a lot of people feel uncomfortable to talk about it. You know, I don't want to share that I'm feeling bad or you know, that I'm going through a tough time. I got, I got to be strong for myself and I just got to hold it all in. And when everybody kind of got isolated and got put in, you know, like I said, this isolation back in their homes, they're stuck with all that stuff that they held in for so long because they're trying to be strong. And now they're having, they were having to deal with it all because they had no distractions anymore. No more work to distract yourself with. You're like sitting there with your thoughts. So I think a lot of people for the first time, including teens are having to sit with their own thoughts and be like, Whoa, I've, I've never even really paid attention to this stuff going on in my head. And that's caused a lot of anxiety. Yeah, definitely. And, and here's the thing, you know, uh, and I've, I've said this before, but really anxiety is, is a survival mechanism and it's Mm -hmm. there to protect us. When we feel anxiety, there is a predator, uh, out there somewhere and we feel anxiety. So we're heightened, a heightened sense of alertness and, and so on. And we use it for things like homework, for things like going to the office. And, and so we're using the survival level type of mechanism for day-to-day life. And that's why it's a problem, right? Yes. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. I think that's one of the biggest like miscues of anxiety. I think for a lot of people is see it as like this thing like oh anxiety go away I don't ever want anxiety and it's like no anxiety is like actually a good thing when it's used properly when it comes up properly Um, one example I like to give is I was outside with my uh, neighbor about a year or so ago and we were just out talking and our kids were playing and whatnot and one of their daughters just went missing for a minute they couldn't find her 
And, you know, her mom was like kind of freaking out, you know, looking for her. They eventually ended up finding her. She was just over at a friend's house, you know, not a big deal. But she came up to me afterwards and said, I'm sorry that I acted like that. I shouldn't have been so, you know, nervous and anxious and, and scared about that. And I said, no, I don't think so at all. I think if you wouldn't have been anxious in that scenario, that would have been a problem. Like you yeah. need anxiety to like get that going and say, okay, I need to go look, search, but I need to find my daughter because she potentially could be in danger. Like you need it for that. But at the same time, I don't need anxiety about raising my hand in class. So right. like, that's the difference. That's right. Well, and that's why COVID has been so confusing because there is an invisible threat that is out to get us. And so our, our we, we have sort of this overarching heightened anxiety, all of us do, you know, even though, you know, we know there are ways to keep ourselves protected with social distancing and all those mandates and all those, you know, protective um, things that we can do. But that's also why it's been worse. And I've seen it in my own kids, especially my youngest one, who I talked to you a little bit about before. And it's, it's heartbreaking to see mm. it's just so, so hard. So um, let me ask you, so we're talking about anxiety today. We're really talking about social anxiety though. And I want to know, you know, what is social anxiety and how is it different than other types of anxiety or is it? Yeah. So it's just a little bit different. Um, I think the main difference is just when it comes about, the feeling is generally the same thing but it's feeling like you're being negatively judged in social situations. So this could be walking into the classroom, it's feeling like you're being negatively judged. This could be going inside McDonald's and ordering some food. I mean, just walking around, being around other people. Um, a, a big one that a, a lot of people with social anxiety tell me a lot of time is, I, I feel like I walk weird. I feel like people are judging me for how I walk. And I, I personally experienced this in high school. I had that same sort of thing, but it's just feeling like people are just negatively judging you. No, 99% of the time, they're not even paying attention to you. Yeah, yeah, totally. So really it's the fear of judgment. Yes. It's the fear of judgment. Okay, and that runs the gamut between, from fear of, somebody judging my hairstyle to how I walk to the words that I say, the answer that I give, and it can be crippling, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how does it show up? What, what do you see uh, when, when someone has social anxiety? How does that look different than my other son who has obsessive compulsive disorder? That's the way he his, his, that's the expression of his anxiety disorder. How, how does social anxiety show up? Sure. So, well, first of all, looking at someone and seeing if they have social anxiety, very hard to do. Very well, hard. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm thinking from a parent's perspective, right? So, right. right. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, it would be hard to like, look at your child and, and know that they're feeling anxious. Uh, people with social anxiety tend to be very good at hiding it, including myself when I was younger. My parents didn't know anything about it until I said something about it. Um, okay. But as far as like the feelings within, um, there's a lot of, you know, kind of like fast heartbeat, your palms will get sweaty. Um, it'll feel like your body's on fire, like there's like a heat wave over you. Definitely felt that many a times, not a fun or comfortable feeling at all. Um, but yeah, so those are just kind of the same of the 
some of the like main symptoms, but uh, it kind of varies depending on on the person. Some people, you know, might do one or feel one way. Some people might feel another. Okay, so that's right. That's how they're feeling, and then there's also got to be thoughts that go with that too. You know, what would like from from your example, what would your thought be about when you had that heat wave come over you? What were you saying to yourself? Depending on the situation, uh, I can remember a time in high school where there was a, a long period of time where every morning I would go in the bathroom, I would sit in the stall and I would just sit there and I would cry. And oh. that's all I would do for about 40 minutes until my first class started. And so some of the thoughts that would go through in my head was, you know, why, why can't I do this? Why can't I make friends at this new school? Why, why am I this outlier weirdo? And the biggest one that I've felt that I think is one of the most damaging that I think a lot of people have is, you know, why am I not normal? I, I think yeah. that one really hits home and it's, and, and I just want to go to everyone who has that thought and just be like, this is normal. This is a normal feeling that you're feeling right now. You are not like some weird alien type person, like tons of people around you, especially now tons of people around you and tons of people around me when I was in high school were feeling the same way. I just had no idea. I thought I was the only one. So that goes back to your point about you can't tell if somebody has social anxiety like you can somebody with OCD, like I mentioned, right? So that's a really good point to make. And so as part of this, you know, mental health disorder, you feel isolated, right? You don't want to talk about it. You feel like you are innately wrong. And if we could just say, hey, by the way, we all have anxiety. We're wired for anxiety because it's trying to keep us safe. So don't misinterpret it or misunderstand it because actually it's there to serve you. But in the in this large quantity that you're feeling it, it is disordered. So we just need to fix that, right? No big deal. We can work together. We can do this, right? Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, I kind of see it as like, I don't know if you've ever heard like the term like internal family system or mm-hmm. some people call it like parts work and stuff. So I think this is how I kind of see it. Like everybody has all these different parts. We all have an anger part, you know, a sad, a happy part. I believe we all have a socially anxious part too. I think we've yeah. all experienced just a little bit, maybe what now at the disorder level or whatever, but we've all experienced it at one point or another. So while I was in high school, the difference between like me now and me then was my social anxiety was driving the bus of all my parts. That's how I kind of visualize it in my Mm -hmm. mind. And then I had to learn how to take back control of the steering wheel. And now I just let social anxiety. He's just chilling back there. His name's Lloyd. He's a, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good guy. He's just trying to help me out. But, you know, I just let him sit back there. I'm like, it's okay, Lloyd, I got this. We're good idea. I love that. And so you are, and I'm going to, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but you have a toolbox item for us with nine tips on how to reduce social anxiety. Are these the tips that you use to get yourself up and out of it and to get Lloyd in the back seat? Um, I'd say those tips are more of a proactive approach to social anxiety and, and mental health if I had to yeah, label it, but yeah, that's how, that's what I'd say. 
Um, but that is stuff that I do, and maybe not all those things, but some of right. those things I do every single day to start yeah. my morning. Um, I, I think it's a lot easier to get your mind right as soon as you wake up. That way, mm-hmm. if you come across you know, anything that you weren't expecting or any anxieties coming your way, you're more ready to you know, approach it. Whereas on days that I don't do that routine and something comes up, I'm going to be a, a little bit out of sync. It might take me a, a little bit more to recover from it, or maybe it just turns my day into a terrible day. I could go from, you know, being good and then having something come at me and just like feeling just the ultimate low because, you know, I didn't spend five minutes and meditate and do a gratitude journal and, you know, some of the other stuff I did. Right. Right. So, um, oh, and I can't wait to dive into this. So we're going to do that in a second. So here's what I want to know. Uh, you know, as parents, you know, when our kids have anxiety and I'm going to, I'm going to share a little bit about my own journey, right? Like we, we, my, my oldest son has been the loudest, the, you know, he has been a force from the beginning. And so we always knew that there was stuff going on with him. Right. And so for, for us to have him diagnosed as, you know, he has ADHD learning disabilities. I talk about it all the time. Uh, And he has OCD and, you know, which is an anxiety, an anxiety disorder. But then there's my, my younger son. My younger son has been very easy to parent, very, um, you know, sweet and, you know, really flexible, unlike my older son. So I sort of have one of each. And when he started showing anxiety, I didn't really know. I didn't really see it. I didn't really get it. You know, he had a, he had a, an episode where he got really sick and he got, um, he got sick in front of a bunch of people. And that led to him every time he feels anxious, he feels sick, which distracted him at school. Then he stopped going to school. So it had this real snowball effect, but I didn't know that that was anxiety at first. I had no idea. So as parents, you know, sometimes we're really behind we're really behind the the eight ball or behind, behind the ball. I don't know how else to say it. We're sort of trying to play catch up. And it wasn't until my son really started to refuse doing things like the summer was really the tipping point for us because we were all ready, all packed, ready to go on our summer vacation. And he refused to go flat out absolute total refusal and not in a violent way, not in a a loud, obnoxious way, just like, mom, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he and I ended up staying home. Uh, And then come school, school has been a struggle. He hasn't strung together five full days yet. And I'm saying this because I know other parents have had this in their lives with their kids. And it it's scary and worrisome. And we're so lucky. We do have some good support for him. He's actually in a program at school now for anxious kids. And I don't have all the answers. So what I want to ask you is how can parents help and support their teens or their kids with anxiety? Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the biggest thing is to be as proactive as possible. Mm. Um, Start while your kids are young, getting them into understanding what mental health is and, you know, what thoughts are and talking about affirmations, that type of thing. And just being super open with them and just letting them know like, Hey, you can talk to me, you know, um, you know, and just supporting them no matter how they feel, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, what they're talking about, or, 
you know, what they're going through, like how they're feeling is how they're feeling. Like right. your feelings are always valid. Like even yeah. if they may seem irrational to someone else, it's real to them. Like it is a hundred percent real. And that that's, that's the, the biggest thing. And uh, it's just to be proactive with it. Now, if you're, you know, if you have kids that are a little bit older and, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder, you know, it's harder for, it would be harder for me to get a teenager to be like, Hey, let's, let's start meditating every morning together. But it was really easy for me to do with like my kids when they were like four and five years old, just got yeah. into it really early, just make it super normal. But when they are older like that, and uh, some things that you can do is just really the biggest piece, just kind of repeating what I just said, is just being that support system for them don't give advice. Don't ever give advice unless they ask for it and just show them that their emotions are valid. And while it doesn't seem like that's a whole lot you can do, doing that is so powerful to them and they will eventually open up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard not to give advice, uh, Kyle. So in other words, what you're saying is honor their feelings, even if you don't agree, Listen deeply to what they're saying and zip the lip because they just want you to hold space for them, right? To bear witness to their pain, if you will, to just say, oh, wow, that must be hard, right? Even if you yes. don't agree, even if you think it's stupid, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I call myself social anxiety, Kyle, and my six-year-old <laughs> has social anxiety. So I understand the... They like want to give advice. I'm like, oh, I feel like I know the answers for you. Let me just tell you what to do. But I know I can't do that because she'll never do what I say. It's just not going right? to happen. She she just well, wants the support from me. Right. And it's true, right? You know, here you are, social anxiety, Kyle, with a kid with social anxiety. Here I am as, you know, a parenting coach. And I don't have all the answers either. And I want parents who are listening to know that it's not your fault, first and foremost, and that it is something that our kids face. And it doesn't mean you did anything wrong. And yes. you, your job is to help them through it, right? Like, like we just said, to honor them, to honor their feelings, even if you don't agree with them, and to hold that space for them to feel their feelings and to get them help when they need it. And so when, at what point would you say getting help is essential? I say when the problem becomes, I guess, excessive. So and it starts to impact your life. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent or, or your kid's life. I mean, just thinking yeah. back to, you know, when we started to get my daughter into therapy, I had like this internal struggle of like, I feel like I'm not doing my best. If I get her to therapy, I should be yeah. able to help her. No, and I had to yeah. battle that and be like, no, I'm actually doing a disservice to her by mm -hmm. not giving her the help that she needs. And that's, that's how I help her is yeah. to give her the help, whether that's be a therapist or, you know, see a school counselor or psychologist or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Right. We, we feel like we should no, but should never helps anybody. So as parents, don't you worry, like there, there is help out there. And I think that the best thing to come out of 
this time is that we are talking about mental health more. We're not judging it as much. We're realizing that, you know, we're all different. We all experience different things. And honestly, the norm probably is more to have a mental health um, condition than not. You know, we all, we all struggle. I have struggled with my own mental health as well. Parenting has been so hard for me, uh, especially with my oldest who, you know, came in, you know, ready to sort of tackle the world and me too. Um, it, it's been, it's, it's tough. So getting the help where you can, when you can, and, and you're absolutely right. When it starts to impact your life, that's when you need help. When you can't do normal things, like you can't go on vacation with your family, you can't go to school, you can't play sports anymore. Those are some really big red flags. And those are a call to action. I think for parents, don't you agree? Yes, absolutely. So you are so kind, Kyle. I can't, I can't say enough about what you have as a gift for our listeners, which is um, effective tips to start reducing social anxiety today. And what I want to say about this is as I go through it, these are things that every person can do whether you have anxiety or not, these are best practices, like as life hacks, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it can go towards social anxiety or just mental health in general, but yeah. Yeah. It's empowering because you can take this and really build a beautiful life for yourself. And you have some pretty incredible experts that you have little excerpt videos and different things within this as well, which I really appreciate because there's some really, really amazing experts. One who I was talking to you about, Joe Dispenza, who is incredible. And he's talking all about the brain and I'm a total brain geek. So I love all of that. But let me, uh, I want to talk about these nine tips that you have. So just parents, as you're listening, just know that you can download this fulsome guide from the parent toolbox, parent-toolbox.com, and you can get it for free. So you will not regret it. So, you know, tip one is to meditate. So, you know, I think we, we definitely know about that, but what, what I want to talk about is tip two, creating a healthy morning routine and then um, know what you're doing tomorrow. I want to talk about those too. So what is creating a healthy morning routine all about? It's all about giving yourself space every Mm. single day, giving yourself space just for you. As parents, we all know it's, you are constantly with someone you're with your, your child, your husband, wife, whatever. And a lot of times we get in this cycle was just like repeating da, 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 da. And we haven't spent any time with ourselves. So I always encourage people, like, even if you can only take five minutes every morning to just sit there and just be with your thoughts, meditate, maybe do some gratitude, something to do just just for you. Because as parents, and I've been guilty of this as well, it's like, it feels like I'm being selfish if I take care of myself. You know, if I I do any like type of self-care type of thing, I'm being selfish. I need to put that time towards my kids and my family. And it's actually, no, if I don't do that, once again, I'm doing a disservice to myself and my family. I'm not able able to show up the way I want to be. I'm not able to be the parent that I want to be towards my kids. But if I'm able to take that time for myself, like I said, even if it's only five minutes, and don't say you have five minutes, because yes, you do. You can wake (laughs) up five minutes earlier or go to bed five minutes later or whatever. You can figure out a, a way to get that in. But yeah, just taking that time is super important. 
totally agree with you. And in fact, it's the gift you give your family and yourself Mm -hmm. because giving back to yourself and caring for yourself is number one for managing anger, frustration, overwhelm, burnout. So you're, it, it is really so important to your health. So do it. Don't, don't argue about it. Do it. Right. Just do it. Damn it. Just do it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I, what is the know what you're doing tomorrow? What, tell me about that. Yeah. So that's something that I just started doing. I don't remember where I learned it, but I learned it from someone, but <laughs> it was really just to come up with three things that I want to get done tomorrow. Uh, For two reasons, really. One, to know what I'm doing tomorrow. So I'm not waking up and on accident and being like, okay, okay, now let's figure out what I have to do. I'm taking up a lot of my own brain's energy doing that. So I I do that at the end of the day before I go to bed because I don't need my energy at that point. I'm just going to sleep anyways. And so when I wake up, I actually know what I'm doing. And two, it kind of recycles because I like to, at the very end of the day, you know, write down three things that I accomplished that day, which ideally, and sometimes Mm. not, sometimes it's other things, but I can write down like, oh, I did this and I did this and I did this. And just doing that simple act does something within you that makes you feel really good. It's like that same feeling of like, you know, crossing off your to-do list type of thing. I know we've all felt that it's like, man, look at all these crosses. And like, every time you just cross it off, just feels so good. It's the same type of thing. That's why I do it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's, that's, that's so true. Yeah. You get that sort of intrinsic motivation, like, boom, that feels good. I got that done. So I like that. So you're sort of really setting the path for the day ahead. And then you're recapping the day later, which is great yeah. to see what I accomplished. And I would add, don't, don't judge yourself. If you didn't get it done, it's okay. Why didn't you get it done? Like, just be curious about it. Don't be judgmental about it. Um, okay. So here is what I also love. And that is set, uh, self affirmations. Tell me, tell me what that sounds like and why we want to use affirmations. Yeah, absolutely. So there's lots of ways to practice self-love. And self-affirmations is one of them. Honestly, my favorite way to do it. Um, I get pretty into it, but uh, (laughs) maybe more than most people. But so what I do in the morning is I got a speaker and I go into my bathroom and I set it on my sink and I play some music, but I don't play just, you know, any type of music. I play music that's going to get me hyped up, you know, get my body's frequency going. I always give the example of, if you've ever, you know, watched a movie with like a battle scene in it, if you think of like the music that's playing in the background, it's like, yeah, so they play that music on purpose to get your emotions into it. You feel like you're there, like you're ready to go into battle type of thing. So like, that's literally the type of like soundtracks and stuff that I listen to. And so awesome. I'll listen to that stuff and then I'll look into the mirror and I'll stare into my eyes and I just speak positive statements to myself via I am statements so I say you know I am confident you know I am a beast I am killing it right now I am going to own today and you know I bring value everywhere I go and I just say Mm. this stuff to myself um, to just train my subconscious mind to believe it I always like to tell people the difference between someone who's confident and someone who isn't confident is the person who's confident believes that they're confident. So if you want to create confidence, you got to believe it. So this is a way to create that belief in your mind. 
because that's really all it is. If you can just create that belief in your mind, you believe you're confident, then you are. Game over. Like, you confident. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. And what you're doing, just like you said, you're actually wiring and um, you're, you're, you're changing your subconscious mind, which is usually what's driving the bus, right? Like, isn't it 95% of the time we are in our subconscious mind, we're just on autopilot. And if autopilot says I'm worthy, I'm loved, I am, um, you know, I can't remember the other ones that you said, but worthy loved is great. Um, you know, that I'm confident uh, that that sort of thing. Wow. That's a change from I'm a loser. Um, I hate myself and I hate my life. Right. Which yeah. we often say, and here's the thing too, even if you don't agree yet, or you, you sort of fight those things like to say, I am loved. I am beautiful. Uh, you know, I, I bring joy to this world or, or people are drawn to me or whatever you want to say. And you kind of feel like you don't believe it. It's the repetition over and over and over again, that gets into your subconscious mind and our brains are so good. They'll believe what we tell it to, because our brains don't know the difference between fantasy and reality. So we often adopt the negative limiting beliefs but those don't serve us. Like, what does that cost you to say I'm a loser? Will cost me everything, right? Yeah. So then, why not change it to, you know, I'm confident. I'm learning to be confident. Or uh, every day, I'm more and more confident. You know, maybe you start sort of that way, right? But those affirmations are absolutely powerful, and they will change your life. I fully believe them, and I use them every day too. I use them every day too. Yeah. Yeah. And they do change your life. I was telling myself in the mirror, I'm a TED speaker for like two years before I eventually became one. And I've just, before we continue and move on, I do want to mention one more thing about self-affirmations that a lot of people mess up on is you got to say it with emotion. That's why I like to put in the music because it helps with that emotion piece, even when you don't believe it, because you're just looking in the mirror and you're just like, I am confident. I am amazing. I am a wonder to this world. Like, like your brain ain't buying that. Like it's, you're not actually feeling it. Say it as if you believe it. And that's why I like to do the music because it helps with that. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really cool. You know what I like is a Superman pose, right? You cannot Mm. not feel confident when you are, I don't know if that made sense, but you, you, feel confident when you're standing in Superman pose. Like you just do your shoulders are back, your hands are on your hips. You feel like you can conquer the world. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, so you can trick yourself. Poses. Yeah. Until you, until you really believe it. So I really love that. And um, so you've got another one that, that I, that I also really love, and that is to build a support circle. We all need support and we don't need it just within our family. We need people outside of our family too, to love us and support us. And so how do you go about putting together a support circle? Yeah. So surround yourself with the people who love and support you. So find those people who are already doing so and you have them in your life. Sometimes you may have to search them, search for them because you know our brain likes to go to the negative. Um, so like for me, my support circle is my parents. They support me no matter what, sometimes to like a way far extent, but I'm not mad at it. (laughs) My (laughs) wife, you know, my brother, like that's my, you know, my co-host Jeremy. So that is my support circle. And so by having that support circle, I can 
I don't want to say use them, but that's what I'm going to say for lack of a better term, but I use them in a sense of if I'm ever feeling down and I need someone to help me up, I reach out to mm. one of those five people. And if you can I'm, rely on them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And they can hold space for me and they know what it's like to give me support. They know what I need. And I also use them in a sense to share news with like, Hey, I'm going on this podcast today. I'm, I'm really excited about it. They're there to lift me up, you know, get me hyped about it. They're excited for me. It's those type yeah. of people that I want. But at the same, you know, like I said, I, I keep it a kind of closed knit in the support circle. I don't share, you know, exciting news with other people, you know, that are outside the support circle generally, because it's just like a, a recipe for, you know, someone may or may not be like putting you down type of thing. So I like to keep it within my support circle, but yeah, like I said, just having them and having someone to go to and not being ashamed when I'm feeling down and that sometimes I still struggle with that. I'm like, no, I, I don't want to be, you know, feeling down right now. I, I can do better. And it's like, no, I just need to reach out to Jeremy real quick or no, I need to call my brother and see if he's uh, in a space to hold support for me. And, you know, I, I do that all the time to just get me back up, get me keep yeah. going especially during this pandemic when we're all having to parent our kids, teach our kids at home and work from home, which is what I've done. I've done all three of those things today because we've had an ice storm and whatnot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so important to have, and not everybody is trustworthy with your pain, right? You can't trust just anybody with what you're going through. Right. So you do need a kind and compassionate, you know, community of, or a circle of people who love you no matter what. And, uh, and, and also who you're there for as well, I think too, right. That, you know, people who check in on you, who you check in on, you know, uh, I think that we all need that and we, we, we become so separate, you know, but we really need to reach a handout. If you're in a good place, you reach a handout to somebody who isn't, you know, and, and, and it's actually really an act of bravery and courage to say, I need help. It's not an act of weakness at all. All yes. you're saying to me, Kyle, is you're human. You're normal. If you have ups and downs, I have ups and downs, you know, and, and, and that's because we're humans, <laughs> we're human beings. So we just, we just have that. So um, one last thing that I want to, I want to ask you about, and of course, this is all in this guide is exposing the fears. Tell me what that means. Yeah. So I, I kind of talk about it as doing baby step uncomfortable challenges. So, and what I mean by uncomfortable challenges is finding ways to just go just barely outside your comfort zone, just a little bit. And I say just a little bit because we don't want to do something so far outside our comfort zone and like so like big of a fear that it actually has a reverse effect on us. You know, since our mental health through a loop makes us feel even more anxious than we did before. So, you know, like some of the, or I don't know if I said this uh, on the podcast or not, but you know, my first ever uncomfortable challenge was raising my hand one time every single class in college that was the first one I ever came up with and so it was all effort based that's a big thing to remember is not to answer a question right every time it was just to raise my hand and answer a question Yeah. yeah didn't matter and so that was something that was just barely outside my comfort zone you know, and I still practice doing this stuff. I like to push it a lot with myself, you know, and I've done some pretty wild, kind of crazy and fun stuff. 
Um, I mean, just some examples. I I dressed in a full Santa suit and went to Target in April and was just shopping, doing my regular shopping. I went to this uh, very, very populated walking bridge from Indiana to Kentucky, and I wore a sign over my um, front and back that said, hey, I need practice with my TED Talk. Come follow me. I'm going to do my TED Talk in the middle of the bridge. And I literally ah. just did it for a bunch of random people. <laughs> oh my bridge. goodness. You're making yeah, that, me uncomfortable right now. <laughs> that was pretty uncomfortable. But I'll tell you what, every time you get done with one of these, you feel so great afterwards. You feel so confident. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't need to be like scared in that situation. Like yeah. I'm safe here. Like I'm just talking to a bunch of random people. I mean, worst thing that happens is I screw up and forget what I'm talking about, but no, that's okay. Like I'm human. I'm Kyle. Like I'm cool. Like I'm just, I'm just here doing what I'm doing. Like I'm just going to go out here and just do my best. I love it. That's so cool. And, uh, and you know, maybe not recommending that for everyone, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, baby step. Everybody's is different. So find, find what's barely outside your comfort zone. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I am an extroverted introvert, so I much prefer to stay alone and by myself in, in my own little, in my own little space. But uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really great. And I think that the message that I'm hearing that you're not saying, but I'm hearing is like, you got to stop giving a care about other people's thoughts and judgments of, of you because they're not about you anyway. You know, somebody is, seeing that and judging based on their own stuff. It has nothing to do with you. And so if we can just really embrace that and realize that other people don't count other people's thought in, in terms of their judgments and their thoughts about you, it doesn't matter. It's not real. All that matters is your own self and your own integrity and your own mindset, happiness, mental health, right? Yeah. Yeah. You said it exactly right. I mean, people's judgment judgments against you are really about them. I mean, somebody yeah. commented on my TikTok like a few months ago. I was like, your content sucks. I'm just like, All right. okay, like, uh, that's fine if you think that, but like, I wouldn't even like really mad. Like just, that's really more about them and what's going on in their life more than likely. And it's you know, that nothing to do with my content. They just want to troll and, you know, put that onto somewhere else type of thing. Yeah, it says everything about where they're at in their life that they took the time to do that. And I've had lots of hate, you know, I because as soon as you put yourself out there, you know, and I've had people talk about my appearance, I've had people, you know, talk about the content, uh, everything. And, you know, you know, myself and, and the people who work with me, you know, it, it's we don't, we don't respond out of hate, we just respond out of love. That's it. You know, we recognize that not everybody's in the best place and that isn't about me anyway. That wasn't, that wasn't about me and that's okay. You know, it, it doesn't hurt, you know, every once in a while it's like, Oh, really? You had to say that, but all right, you know, it's okay. It's all right. You know? So, um, so yeah, I think that's something we've got to start teaching our kids too. And again, your, um, your, awesome tips for social anxiety. These are all preventative. Like you said, this is really to help you live the best life possible. And you can live without it, without anxiety that hijacks your life. You can exactly. live, the, you can ride the wave like you're a surfer almost, right? Ride the waves of anxiety um, with the tools that you've got here. Yeah, absolutely. You can live life on your own terms, not social anxieties. That's what I teach people to do. 
<laughs> yeah. So where can people find you, social anxiety, Kyle? Yeah. So I primarily hang out on Instagram and I do some TikTok. Those are my main two. But yeah, you can just find me, social anxiety, Kyle. Um, I, I try to keep mental health and anxiety like light. I make it fun and I'm, I'm not like super serious. I mean, it is serious, but like at the same time, yeah. like there's enough people trying to make everything so super serious. I have fun. I try to make it like less stigmatized. Mm. So I think my stuff's funny. I watch it and I laugh still. So Oh, good. Well, <laughs> you have a new follower in me and I'm sure in a lot of uh, listeners as well. And of course you have your podcast, The Social Ninjas uh, with you and your partner. Sorry, what was his name? His name is Jeremy Green. Jeremy. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll give him a shout out. He's Jeremy Talks to Strangers on Instagram. Oh, Jeremy Talks to Strangers. Well, I'm going to follow him too. I love that. Um, I love it. Uh, Okay, great. Thank you so much, Kyle. Is there any last, you know, last thought or a little piece of advice that you want to leave the listeners with before we end? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of my general advice I try to live by and, you know, try to set the example for my kids is make your mental health just as much of a priority as your physical health. Mm. There shouldn't be any stigma you know difference between the two see we wouldn't feel bad about you know calling off work for a broken arm or broken leg or whatever mm. we shouldn't feel bad about having to go to therapy one day so yeah. I hope to live in a world where it's like those are the same thing or like it'd be yeah. weird if you went to the gym but didn't work on your mental health like that's yeah. where that's the world I want to live in type of thing. yeah oh that's 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 really great it, it would be great if we could go to the gym and then meditate at the gym too, let's say, you know, like yeah. combine the two. Yeah. That's really happen. great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kyle. I am better for knowing you and for, you know, having this, this resource. So I know my listeners will as well. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I love talking about this stuff, especially to parents and seeing how I deal with teens all the time and I know it's like a tricky subject and especially if you've never experienced anxiety before. So yeah, any way I can help anybody wants to reach out to me. Um, yeah, more than welcome to also my website is socialanxietykyle.com. You can find me there as well. That's great. And this is all in the show notes. So you don't have to go far to find all of uh, your information. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.